0: Hey everybody, and welcome to another CaliCube Tuesdays. Today with Joe Pulizzi. I said that right? Not quite.
1: No, you got you got you absolutely would have passing grades with Pulizzi. So thank passing you for that.
0: Passing grades. Well, I'm going to go yeah. for an A now. A quick hello, and we're good to go. Welcome to the show, Joe Pulizzi. That's uh, unexpected. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it can i have an a grade saying you just oh yes that's a,
1: if you sing if you were dancing if you put on your jazz hands gloves then you would really get points but uh but definitely an a a plus you got to break out and dance
0: brilliant okay try that at the end right exactly. brilliant wonderful actually welcome uh, anton contacted you you've spoken to him before you've been on a, one of his shows before sure. Really kind of you to come on to talk about media is the new marketing. But before that, we're going to look at your Brand SERP, which is what Let's we do always it. do every week. Uh, here's the Brand SERP that I found on the left. We have the USA with yourself and your books, and it's got those filter pills at the top, which are actually absolutely brilliant where we can actually filter down into different results. Uh, you dominate with your website, which is great. And I looked in Mauritius, which is where I used to live, which is a tiny island off Madagascar in Africa. And you don't dominate with your website. The Twitter does, which is an interesting international aspect to your brand SERP. Now, if we move on to the next one, I then, there you go, looked, looked you up in news on the right-hand side there. And I thought, wow, that's really impressive. I've never had a guest who had that much great news on Google. But then I looked at myself, and it isn't that bad either, uh, except for the second one. You dominate totally, and I don't fully dominate. So that's something I need to work on, on my news vertical brand SERP. And the third one is, there you go, videos. Now you're talking about media, so I would have expected you to dominate totally, and of course you do. So Joe Polizzi, who is super specialist in media is the new marketing, dominates media for his own brand, so logical. But in fact, in truth, with a lot of people, that isn't always the case that they dominate the medium that they actually talk about. You've managed to do it, but there are absolutely boatloads of videos about you or with you in them you do gazillions of these things don't you
1: well what's what's interesting well thank you first of all um so i didn't know we were doing that well but i think being around for 20 years plus talking about the same thing helps but if you look at most of those videos those are not things that we produced as part of our team those are other places i'm a big believer in other people's content just like Today, I do a lot right. of interviews. Probably every day, I'll do at least three or four podcasts, video interviews. I wow. speak all over the world. That's that's the number one way that we can get out in the world because, yes, you want to build your own audience, and we'll talk about that. That's very important, but we also want to, want to steal. I call it stealing audience. Mm-hmm. I want to steal audience from other locations and have them become our audience, and it's a, it's not a great way to say it, but that's, in essence, what we're doing.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, the word steal, I mean, why not? I mean, we could also say share. Um, sure. We could also say borrow. I mean, I think the the idea, and I used to, I did a TV series a few years ago, and the guy I was working with was obsessed by the idea that the kids had to like only our TV series. And then you say they can't watch this one TV series all day long. They have to watch some other stuff as sure. well. So there is no point in being envious and jealous of other TV series taking time away from our characters would you agree with that in mark Oh absolutely I mean I'm a big believer
1: today in the collective approach so if there are or consortium if you will if there are 10 15 other companies that are targeting the same audiences I believe the rising tide lifts all boats let's all work together let's work on side projects partnerships where can we intermix and that's a winning formula. And, and by the way, uh, most traditional brands in their content marketing don't do that because they they like walled gardens Oh, we're creating right. this. This is our thing. And that's that's it's fine, but it's not going to get you as far as if you're working with other organizations
0: right, and and you can't serve everybody because not even if you offer more or less the same product, not everybody's going to resonate with you, or your brand isn't going to resonate with them. I mean, I've been working with Wordlift an awful lot. they They partner with us on this show, but there's Dixon Jones from Inlinks. you know I I've talked with him, worked with him, and they're doing a similar thing. I mean, as you say, as a as a community, as a group of companies, we can move our collective message forwards, which I think is great. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's an influencer program on steroids, right? You're
1: like, okay, and, and think about that. Think about, and if you want to put your brand at the center, that's fine. But then you have all these other brands, media companies, YouTubers, podcasters. And what I would my advice would be with each one of those, figure out one small partnership with each one of those. It could be a joint podcast, it could be an event, it could be a mini magazine, whatever it is. It could be an article, research project. Do that do work together and you will see that the, the your, like your serps would go away you're way up a, you, you would be found in way more places because you're reaching new audiences that you wouldn't reach normally because you're doing those things in partnership
0: right now that's brilliant because I mean on the brand serp side it would actually vary your brand SERP, which is what you've got when you search videos you've got all these interviews you do uh, and generally speaking, uh, when people are publishing content about you, Google sees that as a very powerful uh, authoritative signal about yeah. kind of what well, your authority your expertise and probably your trust as well. And it, so, it, so it will vary that and also push you out to all sorts of different places that you wouldn't normally be. But you would advise me personally to do small partnerships with multiple brands as opposed to one big partnership with one brand.
1: I don't think there's anything wrong with what you're doing. You're going deep uh, within one niche, one one audience group, uh, hopefully they've got deep pockets. They're spread. They're spreading that. Oh, they're <laughs> spreading that all over the web. But no, I mean, if you, if I was to look back on my 20 years and say what's been the most successful, it's basically I try to say yeah, Even if somebody says they have an audience of a hundred, mm-hmm. okay, how can we work together? How can I help you? Mm-hmm. Um, and how can I help get that message out for you in a new way? And so I mean, I've probably done a thousand interviews. And, right. and that's what you see. And you look at those results and you'll just go, and there's a thousand web pages that are talking about the stuff that we're doing together. That's, that's oh. pretty powerful. I can't do that by being just Joe Polizzi or being the
0: tilt or whatever. I'm I, it's impossible for me to get that kind of reach. Right. Yeah. No, I and mean, I'm so building kind of interview by interview, brick by brick, person by person, uh, and over 20 years, you've said you've built up massive audience, I would imagine.
1: I don't, I mean, massive, I don't know what's massive, you know, a couple hundred thousand hundred uh, thousand followers on Twitter and, and LinkedIn and, and those types of things. I mean, when we had, we launched content marketing Institute in 2010, we, my wife and I sold that business in 16, we had about 250,000 email subscribers. So good size for a business to business company, but yeah, I mean, and then it, it really depends. I mean, podcasts we do a little bit of everything but it's not the again it's not the size of the audience it's it's what you're doing with that audience and are you maintaining and changing behavior and you're making oh. an impact on your business goals and those are the things that we want to look at so that's why if somebody says oh i don't have a big enough audience i'm like i don't know if that's true it, right. it depends so let's let's look at it
0: Right. I mean, yeah. Monsi Kano actually saw you or watched you a few years ago and is now back and is terribly keen to listen to what you've got to say. So let's get All on right. with that. No, oh, just, just to finish on that one point. Um, the idea is, I mean, you're, you're saying media is the new marketing. So you're talking about your own media and how you build that. But part of that as well is growing your audience by other people's media.
1: That's part of the new media model, in my opinion. Absolutely. If you look at the most innovative, smartest media companies out there today, they're doing multiple partnerships across the board. A lot of those partnerships are paid partnerships with brands, and a lot of them are not. They're, They're consortiums that you work up a true partnership and a network effect. And we're going for network effect here. So you've got to get other people involved.
0: Right. And and you're saying a business, any business with any budget. um, So kind of, I mean, I'm a small business with a small budget, so I can actually achieve this. And it really is brick by brick. Doesn't it get incredibly frustrating because you don't really feel you're making progress all the time? Uh, Well, that's the life of a content creator. I mean, if you
1: and, and that's the thing, if you're if you're whoever's listening to this, if you're starting brand new and you're expecting results in six to nine months, then you're expecting the wrong results. This is not a, this is not a mar- This is not a uh, sprint. It's a marathon. It takes time build to build an audience. If you're going to think like a media company versus a marketing organization. I mean, I grew up in media. We knew we had three year plans for a reason. Because we knew it took about three years for us to build an audience that we can monetize and, and create a significant profit from. You're not going to do that in six to nine months. And that's where if people are getting into content marketing and brands are trying to do this. And it's like, oh, we're going to do the podcast. We're going to do the video series. We're going to do research. And they expect ROI right away. They're crazy. They're right. absolutely crazy. This t- you, consistency, and b- by figuring out where am I, the leading information expert in my particular niche, that's that takes time to do, and and that's what I'm out trying to sell. It's like be realistic. But if you can go three years, four years, five years, I can pretty much guarantee that it's going to be a, create an amazing asset for your organization.
0: Right, but that's three to five years pegging away at the same topic um, and acting. You just said like a media company and not a marketing company. Well, media marketing.
1: I mean, you know this same thing today, right? If I <laughs> if, if 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 I look at uh, look at uh, Intel and look at their marketing department. And then let's look at the Financial Times and you look at what their media. Outside of the products and services they sell, they're doing the same things, right? right? They're trying to build a loyal audience. They're delivering consistently over one or multiple platforms. Once they build that audience, they want that audience to take certain behaviors. The Financial Times monetizes that through paid subscriptions, advertising, sponsorship, And Intel would would say they're trying to sell more products and services. But in in addition, now you've got companies like Intel that are trying to sell, do events. Like you've got Salesforce creating Dreamforce event. Uh, You've got Red Bull Media House. You basically have the loyal audience in the middle and you can monetize that eight to 10 different ways. I don't care if you sell products or services traditionally. I don't care if you sell media traditionally. You can take the same model today and that's what we're seeing. And our perception is the brands are different. But if you just look behind at the organization of how they're marketing or creating media, it's pretty similar today.
0: Right. And does that not run the risk that you end up creating content for content's sake? Um, well, oh, you sound very tired with that question. I do. Apologize. No, no, I'm
1: not. I'm not tired <laughs> with it. I think that if we just go. I get frustrated, I'll be honest with you, I get frustrated with a lot of enterprise marketers that are doing content marketing because most of it's mediocre. My friend Doug Kessler in the UK will say that most organizations are creating a mountain of meh. It's just stuff. They feel like they have to be on every platform, which they don't, and so they're creating all this commotion. They think it might be good or maybe they don't, and it's useless for the end users. They're not building an audience and it's, and it's not having an impact on business goals. So really, they shouldn't be doing anything at all. It's just a lot of nothing. So I would see, I want. so you have a limited amount of content energy. So right. instead of just creating content for content's sake, let's go and figure out, okay, where's the one or two places that we can be remarkable? Can you create a remarkable podcast and become the leading informational expert in your niche and be kind of the must-see TV for, for that group of people? Well, you have to be honest with yourself. Can you do that? What is it going to take? So we have to divert resources from all the other stuff that we're doing that's not making impact so that we can be great in one or two areas.
0: Right, okay. Oh dear, right. So for super duper success, you've got seven steps and you've actually told me them beforehand. So I've got the seven steps written out in front of me. And unlike um, for for the brand bucket, we're going we're gonna to start at the top and go to the bottom instead of the bottom and go to the top. <laughs> you can start wherever you want. It's all good. Sorry, Barnaby Winter, who, who had the, the upside down bucket going on. But identify the intersection of your expertise and your future cons- customers' needs. I mean, I think we all think we know what our expertise is. And I mean, in my case, at least, I'm saying now I need to find the customer to go with my expertise. That's the wrong approach, isn't it? Well, uh, where
1: most companies start is they start with what they want to sell. And yep. that's a bad place to be. So oh, we want to start, everything starts <laughs> with the audience, right? This is this is audience <laughs> first. So who's that audience? Uh, and what what do we want those outcomes to be with those? What are their desires? What keeps them up at night? What are their pain points? That's what we want to focus on. And on the other side, we're thinking, okay, well, what is that uh, informational area? Something that we have a skill in that's better than anyone else. So let's just take an example and say, all right, we're going to target uh, IT experts in some market around the idea of cloud computing. All right, well, are you, can, what part of cloud computing can you be the leading expert in? What specific audience can you be the leading expert? And really look at that intersection to make a difference. And I think that uh, not there's not enough companies that really take it seriously and say, why are we really doing this? Why are we really, and we're doing it because we want to have a positive outcome on that audience. And we believe that audience knows, likes, and trusts us. It will lead back to some kind of uh, performance indicator that we're doing a good job for the business. But so you have to start with audience first. So it's that intersection of what's your expertise, what's the audience's needs, and hopefully you'll get the start of a story.
0: Right. And and, I mean, for me, there are kind of a couple of use cases there where you've got an audience... Who wants something and there are lots of offers out there, in which case your media has to differentiate you as an expert or an authority in that. Or there's an audience that have a need that you can serve, but they don't yet know they have that need. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Wants are are more powerful
1: if you want to go to that direction. I mean, you, you can say, okay, I'm going to fill this informational need, which is great. But you also want to take it that next step. Even in business-to-business content, this is all about emotion. We want to pull at the heartstrings. We want to tell some – that's why people love case studies, right? We we love to see the hero, uh, you know, lose and then come back. You know, we can tell a lot of stories around those things. I mean, it leads – you really can't talk about the idea of sweet spot, that intersection, without taking, to your point, differentiation. That's the content tilt. That's the second point. You know, how do we cut through all that clutter? to actually have a competitive advantage. And if you looked at, let's say, 95% of the companies out there creating content, they only stop at their sweet spot. Oh, we have to cover this. We're good at it. Our audiences need it. But they're not taking that next step and uh, say, oh, okay, well, what's that thing that we can do better than anyone else? And if we deliver that consistently over a long period of time, then we can build an audience that knows, likes, and trusts us. That, uh, hardly anybody takes that
0: step. Right, and, and that's the tilt idea. Coming I mean, Because yeah. a, what a lot of businesses do is do what I call envy marketing, is they look at the competition, they see what the competition are doing, they say, I want that. Yes. So they do exactly the same thing. And that's a terrible, terrible mistake. No, but that's, that's how most marketing programs are created, right? right. Oh, so, okay. what's my key competition doing? Let's just
1: go ahead and map to that. No, this is where, I mean, if you look at the greatest media companies of all time and how they started, they really focused on that content tilt. Okay, who is that specific audience? What's keeping them up at night? And what are we going to do that's different? And, th- and what does that mean? Does that mean we're going to talk about something different? Maybe we're going to focus on a different audience. Maybe we're going to uh, create that content on a different platform. We're going to deliver that in a way that nobody's delivered it before. I mean, those are the types of things that we want to look at. And figure that out. I love the idea of a new content category. I mean, that's why. I mean, when you look at content, so if you type in content marketing into search, I'll probably come up pretty high because we were right. the first ones talking about content marketing. If you look, type in inbound marketing, HubSpot will come up because they coined that term and they really pushed their uh, their marketing and their media around that. So that's a great way to do it. So if you can come up for uh, come up with a new term for what the story is and the, or the process or the business issue. And then you consistently deliver on that for a long period of time. And then people start to search for it. Who's going to come up. You're going to come up. You're going to be that expert.
0: Yeah, and uh, but at the beginning with kind of content marketing or inbound marketing as a concept, the, the, there's a long period of patience while you're educating the market or the people or the audience rather to that term, so that they can actually start searching for it. Which means you actually have to outreach to them um, through different channels that aren't search. Oh yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, you have to build. The, you have to. We you have
1: to build the home base. You know where. Ooh. What is this, and what is it going to be? Is this going to be a podcast? Is it going to be a YouTube series? It is. A, is it a Twitch channel? Uh, is it an in-person event? Uh, what is the thing? And that's where a lot of companies go wrong is because they feel they have to be everywhere, and they need to focus on what to start with one home
0: thing Right. Home, yeah. I sorry. Just, just. we're on point three, and we haven't actually identified very clearly which point is sure. which. Oh, there you go. What's inbound marketing? HubSpot on number one and number two for yep. that term in Google. Yep. Uh, with Semrush putting some advertising to try and steal some of that thunder. <laughs> um, we started off with identify the intersection of your expertise, then determine how to tilt your sweet spot to find where. Little or no competition exists, which is the content and the inbound marketing example. And then you're saying one channel. Now, you're saying only one channel or focus mainly on one channel? Because the idea of uh, repurposing content becomes important. So you say, what's my main channel? And then I push out. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah,
1: nothing wrong with repurposing. I'm not saying that you can't be on your Facebooks and your Twitter and everywhere else you want to be. But generally... um, you, you you can't be remarkable at every channel we have limited amount of content energy we've got to focus that on one thing so if you look at uh, the greatest like mr beast is probably the most popular youtuber out there he just focused just focused on youtube just right. since 2011 creating youtube videos over a long period of time and now he owns a a hamburger franchise so I mean, now he's doing everything. He's in every channel, but he just started by doing one thing. Joe Rogan. How did Joe get his popularity? He just started with a podcast. Really? He was just a podcaster. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. How did she launch Goop and make that popular? Well, she, it was just a blog. Huffington Post just started as one blog. Now it's 500 blogs to 500 different audiences. Yeah. So we think we need to do all the things. But actually, if you look at the success model and how media works, you start with one thing. New York times just started with a newspaper, right? Ted talks, just, you know, they were just in-person Ted talks. Now Ted talks is a brand and it's right. everywhere.
0: And so Disney started with a mouse on a that's right. boat steering and whistling. Basically, like. yeah.
1: Basi- basically short films, right? Then comic strips. And then you look at how they diversified and they took that talent into different areas. And they created Disney world. And then they created Disney plus. I mean, Everyone wants to just go to, oh, we need to do uh, the event and the Disney Plus and everything. And there is a process for getting there. So and what I'm trying to do is alleviate some of the pressure and say, you don't have to do all the things. Actually, you shouldn't. It's a losing proposition. Focus all your resources on one or two areas, maybe a blog and an e-newsletter, a YouTube channel on a podcast that you can actually be remarkable at. Build your audience there, and then you can move forward.
0: Right. Okay. Because I mean that that does take off a lot of pressure. Because I kind of get the feeling every time we talk to people or we read articles, we think oh, I need to do that and that and that and that and that. And it, how do you resist the temptation of kind of spreading yourself too thinly? It's called strategy. I
1: mean, honestly, strategy is about and saying no. It's
0: self-restraint.
1: It's self-restraint, yeah. I mean, by the way, I have no problem with the you know the Google mentality where 10 or 20% maybe you're experimenting in different ways. Maybe you feel that as an organization you have to dabble in TikTok and figure that out, or maybe you have to dabble in Twitch or Clubhouse or whatever the new thing is, right? But uh, if you don't figure out all the things you're going to say no to, it's not going to work. It's going to be broken. You're not going to make an impact on anyone. So I want to take all those resources. So if you look at Content Marketing Institute research, the average content marketer distributes content 14 or 16 different ways. Losing proposition. Terrible.
0: 14 or 16. Sorry, 14 or 16. 14 14 or 16
1: different what? ways. Oh, we're doing we're doing slides on LinkedIn. We're doing we're publishing on that channel. We're doing Twitter. We're doing Facebook group. We're doing uh we're doing WhatsApp thing, we're doing SMS text. I don't know what they're doing, right? They're doing all the things, and uh it's and it frankly doesn't work. And you when we go in, when I used to do consulting, they used to expect me to Say, Joe, you have to create all this content. I was a content marketing guy. I would come in and say, oh, you got to do all this stuff. I never said to do more content. I always said, you need to kill these seven things because it's a waste of time and energy. They're not making any impact on the business. You're not building an audience. Let's focus how we can be great at a few things.
0: Right. And how how do you prioritize? How do you know which is the one, as it were, like you're getting married? Yeah. You, first of all, figure
1: out what you're good at as an organization. Like, do you have, like, if you have nobody that's really good on camera, well, you're not going to be doing video, <laughs> right? But if you have some really good experts that can communicate over radio, over audio, maybe podcast is a, is a possibility. If you've got a group of writers that are amazing, maybe you can do that. There's a small manufacturing company in New York called Indium. They have 27 engineers that blog on a regular basis that can type up their thoughts and then they have an editor that takes that information and makes it readable to their audience. And that's become their best lead generation um, right. th- for, of everything that they're doing. So great, because they had w- engineers that actually could write a little bit, that worked right. for them instead we- of doing the camp. So you a little bit of what you're good at should go into this.
0: Right. Yeah, no, Dan, that comes to I was talking on a podcast a couple of weeks ago about adapting the strategy to the team's uh, capacity. Oh, adapt your strategy to your team's capacity. Oh, I like I just, that. That that's perfect. You know,
1: you know that makes a lot of sense. So, so let's say you've got a, a football team and and <laughs> you've got you've got Ooh, a good, point. good analogy. Yeah, yeah, so you've got let's say you've got really good defensive side but but you put everything on offense and you've you created a strategy for offense. Well, why would you do that? You've got strength on defense. So these are the things that I would look at is what what's the makeup of your team and the freelancers around that. And then how can you get that message out on a a consistent basis playing on those strengths? You're all going to have weaknesses. Don't play on the weaknesses. Play on the strengths.
0: Brilliant stuff. Oh, and we can move on to point four. Use social media and SEO to convert one-time visitors to long-term subscribers. I mean, for me, that just sounds like reach out to people, pull them in, and then find what's going to make them love you more than anything else in the entire universe.
1: Well, really, what we want to do at this point, and we want to build opt in subscribers, we want to move up the subscriber hierarchy. So, what basically I'm all in rent to own strategy mode here, where if I've built an audience on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn or YouTube, uh, that's fine, but I don't control that audience, I don't have any control over the algorithm. Actually, that's not my audience, that's their audience. That's those I built help build it's like you lease an apartment. And, uh, and you fix up that apartment, though, it's wonderful. Who does that help? It helps the owner. That's what we've been doing with social media forever. So at this point in the process, we want to move to more controlled assets. That's opt-in, email, subscribers, to your website, an owned membership group, those types of things. And you want to move up from this bottom social media where I can't build an asset to assets. And that's, that's a winning media formula. Look at the greatest media companies out there. What have they what are they doing? They're they're building email newsletters. New York right. Times, BuzzFeed. They've turned around their businesses. How? Because they're creating these targeted, amazing newsletters. And email still works. And as of right now, there's there's not much that's better than an own membership site or an email newsletter.
0: Right. And and kind of so social media and SEO are really just to put in people. And when clients say to me, for example, I want my SEO. Traffic to convert. that I mean, obviously you want that, but you should be looking more, or at least partially, at, at the email subscriptions as well.
1: Yeah, I, I. Yes, I mean emails. Emails running the entire program. I, I don't.
0: Mean, you're, you're, you're the guest who's done the most. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure if my questions are. Rubbish. No, no, no. You're teasing. <laughs> or you're, you're tired with your clients. <laughs>
1: This is just me. See, if we were having <laughs> drinks right now, it'd be fine. We'd be telling jokes and whatnot. How's um,
0: the beer behind your head?
1: Yeah, ex- a, a good point. Um, I, I just, I get frustrated because we're putting so much emphasis on platforms that we don't control and they're centralized by four or five companies in the world and we've given them all the power. Well, if you are a smart media operator, you can't live in that world. You have to take some of that control away because if you look at your business and if if your audience is all on other people's platforms, you have no business because Google tomorrow can say, Hey, I don't like what you're saying on YouTube. You're off, which by the way happens every day. Mm -hmm. Oh, you, you violated this term of service. Twitter's going to kick you off the platform. LinkedIn doesn't like what you're saying, or they're going to bury you and nobody's going to find your organic uh, tweets or your, your organic posts. So it, it's great. So I, I would say, take the uh, think about it this way. Tomorrow, let's say all that goes away. How do you prepare today so that tomorrow, if it goes away, you're going to be protected? So that's why I want that rent-to-own strategy.
0: Right. Okay. So you're basically using them, but we come back to what you said earlier. Once again, you're stealing. Yeah, I mean, they're stealing your
1: data and then retargeting it back at you at advertising. <laughs> might, you might as well do the same thing and build your business on the back of them. I mean, you're the product. It's free. Right. So obviously, you're the product, and they're going to advertise and monetize you. Brilliant. So what we want to do is off if you can take your audience off of that platform and move it to something you have more control over, that's Media 101.
0: Right, yeah. I mean, so basically, it's take advantage of them. And if you can take advantage, if you do take advantage of them while you can, then you'll complain less about them when they change the rules or they which they will
1: yeah which they always do you got it
0: right yeah i mean because that whole thing i mean i think we're all kind of focusing on how do they act rather than how can we take advantage of the current situation well they can can act
1: however they want to it's their platform i mean yeah i mean i don't anyone that complains of oh facebook this and twitter this whatever i'm like hey they built that they could set the rules but you don't have to play that game and that's what we're doing And like I I heard somebody I was on a listen to a podcast the other day and they said, oh, this is this is a gentleman that rails on Facebook all the time, but also advertises on Facebook because, oh, well, I've got no other choice. I have to go find my audience. That's not true. There's lots of different things that you can do. You don't have to give in like that. And and I think we've just given into, oh, that's the way it is. But in five years, I think we're going to see a much different environment. I don't think you're going to see just those companies that are going to dominate.
0: All oh, right, what do you think is going to happen? It's going to spread out to more smaller companies, new I, companies? Yeah, I do. I, I think so. I think
1: we're seeing this new movement in decentralization. I don't know what decentralization means, but I don't think it's going to be centralized with just Apple and Amazon and Facebook and Google having all the power. I think you're, you've got enough people that know what's going on that are savvy, and whether that means blockchain technology, I don't know exactly. But we're going to see that we've already seen that movement. We've seen a movement in what's called decentralized autonomous organizations or DAOs, which you get groups of people, collectives coming together and saying, we really believe that this is a thing. We want to come together and buy this football organization. We can do that. We want to we put this together and create this media operation. Those things are going to happen. You're going to get community members that actually want to be part of something and and see and in, in uh if they help that media operation perform better, they're going to get an ownership stake in that. We're about ready to see those models in the next 18 months. So I'm excited that it doesn't have to just be, oh, where am I going to build my platform? Well, look at all the social media opportunities. Well, I think I think the next wave of the internet, if we call it Web3, is, is going to get away from just those key platforms. And I'm excited right.
0: about that. Which delightfully... Dovetails into grow your business by expanding into multiple delivery channels.
1: So, if you look at how media companies operate, they do start with just one or two areas. It is a an email newsletter. It is just a Instagram page, whatever it is. And then, what do we have to do? We we have to take a lot of risk off the table because it is a it is a risky proposition just just be in one or two places, and then. What's the opportunity to then diversify into other things? Like, why did the New York Times start selling their own products and services? Why did they create their own event series? Why did they create um, all these different email newsletter products? Because they're diversifying. They're doing two things. One is they found that their best customers, and you can find this most media organizations and content marketing examples show the same thing. Mm The more that somebody is subscribed to your content in different ways, the more profitable customer they become. Like when I was at Content Marketing Institute, we found that our most valuable customers, those that spent the most money with us, were subscribed to at least three things that we did. Didn't matter which three things. It could be the magazine, could be the event series, could be the webinar, could be the podcast, could be the Twitter chat, whatever. As long as it was three things, that was the most popular. So that's one thing. The second thing is, yeah, new revenue opportunities. Each one of those things that are launched opens up new revenue, chance to sell a new product, new service, or a new traditional, you know, media revenue option like subscriptions, advertising sponsorship. I could launch a new event or a conference, donations, whatever the case is. So that's how you really grow into the small little media organization or content marketing organization into sure. a Red Bull media house.
0: And, and then, can kind of you talking about not, well, by monetizing the product or service at that point, I there's no point in monetizing or trying to monetize until you've got the audience? Um,
1: first of all, you want money as quickly as possible. Don't get me wrong. I mean, <laughs> especially if you're an entrepreneur, you want to pay the bills. And if you are a content marketer, you don't want to get fired. So you right. want to figure out, I call it survival monetization. Wherever you can get monetization, you want to, to do that. But... What I want to see is such a focus on building the audience that you're not distracted pushing product through that. So let's say, and we call this a minimum viable audience. So let's just say that you're launching an email newsletter and you tell the team, we're not going to sell anything through this until we get to 10,000 opt-in email subscribers. Well, what does that do to everyone? They just focus on creating the best email newsletter on the planet. They're not focused on, okay, where do we pitch this service? And do we send them a direct email here? And do I need sponsorship over here? They don't focus on any of that. They just focus on one amazing newsletter. So that's why I love that. And if you start with that focus, the team will always remember that and stay focused on the user experience, on the audience experience and go that way. And then when you get to that number, then you could say, okay, well, time to monetize. And it takes a while to build that audience anyway. So you might as well spend the first nine to 12 months just building something amazing and something remarkable. And then in year two, you can say, OK, what's going to how, how are we going to keep this thing going? How do we add uh-huh. to the budget? So we go, that just takes a lot of internal training and teaching your executive team that it does take patience to make this thing go.
0: But presumably, if you've been kind of just content focused and serving the audience with this free information to get them on board, you can't then switch to uh, a model that that is aggressively trying to sell them. No, something. no. And you never want to aggressively sell. I mean, you you always want to make sure
1: that it makes sense. So if you're selling a sponsorship, if you're selling a product or service, it better really make sense with what's going on or don't do that offer, right? Then you, you've done something horribly wrong if the product or service that you're offering doesn't make sense with the content you've been delivering. So hopefully, (laughs) hopefully you're already going down that path and you know, basically what you're doing with your content is you're solving problems that your customers have without selling your product. You're solving those problems with information. That's basically what content marketing is. And then you're going to monetize that at a later point. And it makes perfect sense because, oh my God, your product and service does the same thing.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm currently kind of doing more or less this strategy, but I think a bit messily compared to how you've just described it. Um, but I'm having so much fun digging down, b- building the content, discovering things that uh, there are problems for my audience that I hadn't realized, mm-hmm. but I actually can't be bothered now to monetize it. I'm just having too much fun creating the content and digging down.
1: I lo- well, I love that because what happens is if you just focus on building the audience, the audience, and, and you set up what we call listening posts, and you listen to them on social media, and you do cool. surveys, and that's the greatest usage of social media, in my opinion, is listening to the. We have a Discord, ch- group chat group, and I use. I think it's the greatest form of, um, audience, uh, what their needs and wants are than anything else that we could do. So it's the greatest listening post. And then once you do that, they'll they'll tell you what they want to spend money on. When we launched Content Marketing Institute, so this is. 2009, 2010, I was like, oh, okay, What? What? how should I monetize that? And then I just listened to the feedback. Oh, Joe, do you offer training? Joe, do you offer consulting? Joe, is there a large in-person event that we could go to and I could take my marketing team to? We didn't have any of those things on our product roadmap, yeah. but what do we do? We launched all, all those things because the customers were asking for it because we were talking with our customers every day.
0: Right. And and well, just before we move on to the last point, what about offline, online? You mentioned kind of events, in-person events. How important is the offline to the online? i um, bullish on events and print right now. I mean, if,
1: I mean, we, we talking, about it. Yeah, I'm say. bullish on it. Well, I'll go through. I mean, the, the whole thing is, I feel if you're going to be the leading informational expert in the world, you should do so offline and online. So I I do look at print, digital and events so it's a very old school model that i look at and the reason why is is there's nothing like an in-person content experience and we're going to see once we get through this whole COVID 19 thing it's going to blow up there's a huge opportunity with events we know that now print you might say come on you know print everybody's focusing on digital why print that's why because everyone's focusing on digital i've got people that get the post at least five six times a week and there's no competition there so if you could figure out the business model of sending an amazing co- lean back content experience through the post, that's a, that's incredible. I'm I'm trying to figure out right now how I can launch a magazine. Because cool. the opportunity is there and there's nothing like we talked about how do you your content tilt? How do you break through all the competition? There is no competition in print. It would just be you. But look at what the smart co- look at what Amazon and Walmart and what they're doing. They're spending so much money on their direct mail catalogs now because They've got the attention there. And it, it right. doesn't have to be amazing and remarkable. It has to be pretty good because they're going to open it anyways because they're not getting anything else but direct mail and spam.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, sure. And then it's also the thing is your computer keeps telling you how long you've spent online. And many people are all <laughs> starting to worry <laughs> exactly. about it. So we think if I get a magazine, I'll actually just sit in the corner and read it. And what's missing is the magazines. That's a great point. Oh, and cool. I, I mean, when I mean, my, my my kids are older now, but we
1: used to get Lego magazine. In uh, in the post, and oh, I basically I can't imagine threw, what's in Lego magazine. Oh, it's great! Yo, what are what are what are these kids building, and how are they building it, and all that stuff? And they they would lay on the floor with it and look at that magazine for hours. Really? And what happened? We've bought more Lego bricks than I think anyone in the city of cleveland ohio i mean it's been ridiculous how many we bought because they were inundated and and uh, people think oh why is that is that because we took them to a store and they got we got legos early whatever no it's because that magazine was sent every month and they waited for that to come in the post and by the way lego magazine still sends their magazine still works
0: today and you still buy it, but you're for yourself. Exactly. I'm, I'm playing with Legos myself now. <laughs> and then the last point is understand how to sell your content asset for millions or build a business into a large enterprise. I mean, that's basically, you know, I've started making money, and now I'm going to cash in by selling it to a bigger company or building my own company bigger. Yeah. Sounds very simple. Oh, yeah. I'm attracted to that idea. Well, it goes back to goals, too. So
1: when in 2007, when I left my corporate job, I wrote down in my goals that by 2015 that we wanted to sell for a certain amount of money. So a lot of people don't necessarily have that goal, but we did. So we set about to do that. So we talk about, you know, in in our content book, they talk about the process of doing that. But a lot of people want a lifestyle business. They want to go about, they just want to make a lot of money. They want to, they want to live their, their best life. You can absolutely do that. But if you're on the corporate side, you have to. There are things that you need to do uh-huh. to take that from oh, I'm just doing a podcast to a Red Bull Media House or what Aero Electronics is doing, and they have 52 uh, different uh-huh. media properties for B2B electronics engineers. So these are the things there. You're you're creating a whole different structure. You're creating a whole media company in and of itself that could be possibly be separate from the organization. So there's a lot of things we need to do to scale up and be smart about
0: that. Brilliant. I don't know about anybody else. When I hear the, the number 52, I immediately think one for each week of the year. Yeah. 52 must be a magic number, I'm sure. Well, they had to purchase most of those, too. Had, by the way, great case study if
1: anybody wants to know. Uh, we, we You don't have to build all this yourself.
0: You Ooh, could actually
1: right. go out and buy it. And that's where there's a huge, like, um, if you're familiar with well, HubSpot, we talked about before. They bought the Hustle newsletter the hustle went out to 1.5 million entrepreneurs they bought it for about i've heard 27 million dollars which by the way is a rounding error error for hubspot's marketing spend and they got 1.5 million opt-in subscribers plus multiple podcasts for nothing so if you are a even us a, a mid-sized company. I mean, some of these deals are five figures, some are six figures, some are seven figures, but I would make my list of YouTubers, of podcasters, of email newsletter providers, of competitors and say, okay, well, maybe there's an opportunity to purchase a property right now, especially some some people have had a hard time of it. Maybe we maybe there's an opportunity for you to buy to buy a content creator so that you don't have to spend that nine to twelve months to 18 months and build it yourself.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, people keep talking about website flipping, um, but in fact, this sounds much more down my alley, is bu- buying the content and, and actually using it to build up my own uh, business. Uh, Absolutely. That's, that's I'm, attractive. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, when we
1: so we launched the Tilt.com in April, and we bought eContent Magazine months before so that we could have all that content ahead of time and there's no reason i mean so we got a head start in uh in in search results because we had an older site behind us and we integrated that um yeah i'm a big fan of that um i look at podcast i've got my list as well of what are there's some podcasters and content creators out there that target the same audience that we do should i partner with them maybe we could buy them so yep. there's lot lots of things to do, and large brands don't think enough about this opportunity. And I talk to every large brand that say, "Oh, I, I don't have the patience. Uh, I don't want to build this thing." I'm like, "Well, you've got tons of money right now, so yep. why don't you just go out and buy those properties?"
0: Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's partner. All there's buy if you don't partner yep. if you don't have much money. Buy if you do. Um, absolutely brilliant, Joe. We've gone round your seven points. That was delightful. We went round them in the right order, so I'm terribly <laughs> pleased. <laughs> I'm pleased with myself, honest. You um, did a great job. <laughs> well, I managed to read them in the right order, which is, in my book, pretty impressive. Uh, thank you very much. That was absolutely awesome. We're going to an- announce next week. Uh, thank you to the audience for watching. Next week is going to be Paul-Andre de video SEO to launch your YouTube show. As you can see, he's a delightful, happy chap who does lots of um, expressive stuff. And if we go back to the screen before, the tradition is now, tradition, three weeks of tradition we have, is that Joe will now pass the baton. You can see our new icon specially made for Joe today to Paul Andre.
1: Well, look at that face. I mean, if you want video SEO information, I mean, I, I I want to absolutely tune into what Paul has to say. so you don't don't take video SEO advice from me. You want to take it from Paul and to tune in for that show.
0: Brilliant stuff. thanks so much, Joe. You got it. A quick goodbye to and the show. Thank you, Joe Pulici. It was a lot of fun. You're welcome, Jason. (laughs) Thank you to everyone for watching. See
1: ya.